The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. So we're, uh, we're up for another story this morning, storybook Bible time. <clears throat> we loved reading stories to our kids when they were growing up. And I think we all love stories. Some of us have grown up with uh, the Bible stories, right? Moses, um, what did he do? Um, <laughs> thank you. I, thank you. I knew he did something. <clears throat> so, <laughs> um, and so Moses, he uh, led the people through the <laughs> Red Sea. Wow. Um, and David, what did he do? Yeah, he killed Goliath. And, but we put those alongside stories like Wolverine and Wonder Woman. And I think sometimes it's easy for us to put them all in the same category of fiction or fairy tale. And we forget that, that the Bible stories and the stories that we've been looking at and we're going to be looking at for the next few weeks, they're more than just stories. They're not fairy tales. They're not fiction. They're actually real life people full of all their imperfections that God has them in the Bible to teach us something. Some are for examples. Some are for warnings. The guy that we're going to be looking at this morning, Solomon, is kind of there for both reasons. He's there as an example to us. And he's also there as a warning to us. So we're going to kind of look at two parts of his life. We're going to start in 1 Kings 3. And then halfway through, we're going to switch to 1 Kings 11. Um, as we do so, just before we start reading, we're going to memorize a verse together. Okay? You excited about that? Yeah. Yeah. Good. We need Peyton here. Be excited. <laughs> okay, it's so repeat after me. Okay, that's the way we're going to learn it. Proverbs four twenty three. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. So let's. See, the first service, they put it up there, and I thought everybody was just repeating after me, and they were reading. So <laughs> so let's try it one more time, all together. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. It is such an important verse. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything that we do flows out of our hearts. So, thinking about that, Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. Uh, This isn't what I want you to get out of the sermon this morning. Uh, If you're fathers, don't do this, okay? Uh, Don't make alliances with your daughter. Um, He brought... Pharaoh's daughter to the city of David until he finished building his palace and temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. 
the people were still sacrificing at the high places because a temple had not yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon's father, David, had accumulated the materials, but Solomon was the one who was going to be building the temple. Verse 3, Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father, David. That's a great phrase. He showed his love by obedience, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places because there was no temple yet in Jerusalem. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. That's a lot. Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream after he's offered all of these sacrifices. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. You wish God would come to you in a dream like that? Ask for whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon answered, man, I would like a new Corvette, a new chariot. No. He says, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant, meaning himself, king in place of my father David. But I'm only a little child, and I don't know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? And the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. And so God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked and I will give you also a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. And then Solomon awoke and he realized it had been a dream and he returned to Jerusalem, stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings and then he gave a feast for all of his court. Let's pray just before we look into God's word. Father, please give us this heart that your word describes Solomon as as having. Father, give us hearts that hunger after you, that, that hear you, that long for you, that want you more than anything else. 
hearts that will overflow with love for you and obedience to you. Father, that will honor you and glorify you. So teach us this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So when you're looking at a, at a Facebook post, any of you ever heard of Facebook? Yeah, okay. You're looking at a Facebook post and you want to more than like something, you do what? You heart it, right? You love it. You heart it. Um, if Cindy and I are texting each other, and uh, she texts way more than I do. I accuse her at nighttime of when I'm trying to go to sleep, like, why are you texting all your junior high girlfriends? And uh, I wouldn't recommend that for marital bliss, but anyway. It, uh, <laughs> but um, when we're texting each other um, and we want to um, express our affection for each other, we do the same thing. We'll, you know, we'll text each other all these little emoji hearts, right? Aww. Yeah, I know. I just, <laughs> you know, wow. In, in the first gathering, I said that I was talking this way to be hip, you know, talking about emojis. I didn't even know what they were until a couple of weeks ago. But, and then <laughs> I'm just I'm calling somebody out after the first gathering, two young gals came up to me and one said about the other, in the middle of your sermon, she said, the only thing hip about him is he's going to have a hip replacement. <laughs> I know. That's, that's, uh, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> so, so when Cindy and I, we're getting back on track here, Okay. When Cindy and I are texting each other these hearts, uh, what is it that we're trying to communicate to each other? Is it something like, I am thinking analytical thoughts about you? I just want to express my deep, high regard for you. I mean, those are all true, but but it's, it's, I love you. I want you to know how much affection I have for you. So those hearts refer to affection and emotion and longing and want and desire. So above all else, guard your heart for everything that we do flows from it. It's so true. It is such important advice because as we come to Solomon, we're going to come to two parts of his life where we come to 1 Kings 3 in the beginning of his life and we come to a man whose heart was after God. We come to a man at the end of his life and he's a man who wrote Proverbs 4.23. I think out out of heartbreak because he didn't do that advice that he gives us. Above all else, guard your heart for everything we do flows from it. You know, we were first introduced uh, 
to Solomon during the reign of King David. King David was supposed to be out with his army fighting the Moabites, but instead he stayed home, lounging, relaxing. He sent his army off to to fight the Moabites without him. And and I almost wonder, as I've read the story again, as if, if he had this alternative motive, that he'd seen this beautiful lady Bathsheba, and so he sent his army off so he could just stay and and on the top of his palace roof, look at her, lust after her, commit adultery with her, leading to murder of her husband to try and cover over his sin. Um, there's some ugly stuff in the Bible, right? Um, as a result of that union between David and Bathsheba, uh, an Ill- illegitimate child was born, and the child uh, was dying. And David uh, was like hardening his heart before God is, but this child was dying and Nathan the prophet comes to David and he he confronts David with his sin, his adultery, and his murder and, and just how far he's wandered away from God. David is broken. I think Psalm 51 is 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 part of a psalm to and he, his brokenness his and he talks about this broken and contrite heart that he now has before God repenting of his sin and even saying God take me don't take this baby but the baby dies but following is just the most incredible description or revelation of God's forgiveness and kindness as God forgives David and in his Kindness allows Bathsheba to give birth to another baby boy, and that baby boy is Solomon. And Solomon is the name that David and Bathsheba give gives to him, and it, it kind of it comes from the word peace, shalom. But God has such a love for this child kind of this overflow of God's forgiving, kind, gracious heart. And if if you're here this morning and you don't know that, I mean, get that from this story. This baby Solomon was named by God Jedediah, meaning loved by the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> this, this baby boy bought, born out of this sinful relationship, God just demonstrates his incredible forgiveness and mercy and kindness and and just names him Jedediah. I love you. So Solomon grows up with that realization of God's love for him and and the, and the forgiveness and kindness of God that has surrounded him. And, and even though he's somewhere down the pecking order as sons go, um, and the next king meaning being the firstborn typically in in second uh, samuel chapter 3 we see that six of david's oldest sons are listed solomon wasn't one of them he was way down the line and yet because god loved him and chose him solomon is the one who is picked to be king when we come to first kings 3 we see that david has died and now Solomon has become king 
and we see this beautiful picture of how he be, begins uh, his kingship. A question I want us to be thinking about as we begin is what is the condition of your heart this morning? What is your heart condition? What is it that you really think will satisfy you? And what we're going to see from Solomon as we see the beginning of his life and the end of his life is just this simple, the condition of our heart determines the outcome of our life. Let me say that again. The condition of your heart will determine the outcome of your life. 1 Kings chapter 3. If we can go to verse 5, please. I'm going to have you bouncing around. (laughs) Thanks, Eric. God comes to Solomon after he's offered these sacrifices in a dream, and God says, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Isn't that great? That's like the original genie in the bottle. This is like watching... Um, can't remember. Aladdin, Aladdin thank you. <laughs> wow. Maybe I need a hip replacement. I don't know. Um, this is whatever you want. God says, it's yours. And if, if you were to have to say right now what you're thinking, I, I'd love to hear, but I don't want to hear. It would be something like, oh, the the lottery, man, that, the one that was for like $535 million or something, uh, that would, isn't that what you'd want? Or maybe a new car or to be married or a job, power, importance, position. God says, whatever you want, I'll give you. If God were to ask you that right now, what would you say? What is it that you really think will satisfy you. Incredibly, we come to verse 9. If we can go to verse 9. And Solomon's answer is, give your servant a discerning heart. But it's way better than that. I think it's translated discerning heart because it goes on to say to govern your people and to distinguish between right or wrong. But literally, the word discerning there is the word to listen, to listen. Um, In Deuteronomy 6, it's kind of like the creed of the Jewish people. It's called the Shema, and it's Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. It means, listen, Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And it's what they lived by, that God was their God and he was one God. And it says, listen, and that's exactly the same word here. Solomon's saying, God, give me a heart that listens to you, a listening heart. Is that the heart that we have this morning? What is it that makes a listening heart? We're going to just look at four things that I think made Solomon what he was and, and wanting a listening heart. Verse 6, we can, he says, you've shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. If we can keep, 
you have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. I think the first thing that makes for a listening heart is a person who says, God, you are good. God, it's your goodness that has made me what I am. It's not because of who I am. It's not because I'm something. But God, you are good. The second thing, looking on to verse 7, he says, Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David. You have made me. But I am only a little child, and I don't know how to carry out my duties. And this is the king of Israel talking. He's got everybody at his beck and call, and he says, I'm only a little child. I don't know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among this people. You have chosen a great people, too numerous to count. And a person, I think, with a listening heart, therefore, is a person who knows that it's God's goodness and knows their own neediness, their own neediness. (laughs) I'm just a little child. And if we can go back to verse 4, I think an overflow of this is knowing that God is good and I am needy is it's going to just result in this incredible love for God. Look at verse 4. It says, the king, when he went to Gibeon, he offered sacrifices, a thousand burnt offerings. Burnt offerings were the only offering that were completely burned up and they were voluntary. They were just this outpouring of God, I love you with my whole being. So the whole sacrifice was burned up. And, and here, he didn't offer one or two or ten. He offers a thousand because he's just this, he recognizes that he is king solely because God loved him and chose him to be king. He was not the one who should have been king. But it's because of God's goodness and him recognizing his neediness that he just has this outpouring of, God, I love you. I love you. But what is even better is in verse 3, if we can go back one more, this outpouring of love. It wasn't just emotion. It overflowed. Notice Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David. God, you're good. God, I need you. God, I love you. And God, I obey you. So a listening heart, I think, is illustrated incredibly by Solomon here. He wanted what God wanted. Is that what we want this morning? He wanted what God wanted. You know, I love fairy tales. And I think the reason I like fairy tales as opposed to Greek tragedies (laughs) is because everybody lives happily ever after, right? But this isn't a fairy tale. And it doesn't end happily ever after. If we could go to 1 Kings 11, we're going to see that Solomon's listening heart becomes what I call Solomon's lusting heart. He, he, he began by just wanting what God wanted, but he ended up just only wanting what he wanted and not, a, not knowing what he wanted, just became multiplied by a thousand ways. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women. 
besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told them, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. And these were false gods of, the, of their enemies who God had enabled them to destroy and, and they're worshiping, he's worshiping these gods who called people to do abominable things, sacrifice their own children on the altar. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He didn't follow the Lord completely as his father David had done. Just having read through this, there's just four things that I want to bring up in, in, in seeing this transition from a listening heart to a lusting heart. Solomon was someone who had lost sight of God's goodness. He, he began to, to think that something else, and in this case, women, would satisfy him. What is it that you think will satisfy you? Is it another person, gal, guy, money, position, new job, out of this relationship, into another relationship, possessions? That was Solomon. He turned from realizing that God was good and he began to think that something else was better and could satisfy. And God said, they will just turn your heart, your wives will turn your hearts after their gods. From seeing that moving to instead of what God wanted to what he wanted, he ended up thinking, I got this. And and turning to these other gods, it says literally, if we can go to the just the slide before, notice it, it it's a strong statement. It says he held fast to them in love. <laughs> it's just like he went from this tender heart to this hard heart as his wives led him astray to worship other gods. Instead of God having his affection, I mean, it's like, and it's the way it is, isn't it? Nothing can satisfy like Jesus can, no matter how many things we try. And here he tried a thousand, right? <laughs> and, and it didn't satisfy and he ended up doing, as we come to the end of at, uh, the next slide again, a guy that whose heart was not fully devoted to the Lord. Quite a contrast from somebody offering a thousand whole burnt offerings, saying, God, I am wholly yours a thousand times over. A heart not fully devoted to the Lord. Verse 6, doing evil in the eyes of the Lord, not following the Lord completely. You know, the contrast is huge. It's the condition of our heart that determines the outcome of our lives. 
Solomon with a listening heart saying, God, I want what you want. Uh, he didn't want wealth. He didn't want women. He didn't want wisdom. He, he wanted God. And as a result, God gave him all these other things. And we could say, well, yeah, yeah, great. But that's not what he wanted. He just wanted God. And God gave him all those other things. But when he wanted all those other things, he wanted those gifts. And he began to see those gifts as what was good, were good instead of that God was the one who was good. Running after those things the sad end of the story. Solomon dies and his son in his footsteps has an evil heart, does not follow the Lord and the kingdom that Solomon ruled over was split in two, was split into Israel and Judah and and from that point on it was a broken kingdom and a kingdom that very rarely after that followed after God. A listening heart, a lusting heart. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. First John 2, 15 to 17. And John is right on target. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world thinking ah, that's what will satisfy. Love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God, that will last, lives forever. And so in Second Chronicles 16.9 It says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for those whose hearts are single. It says blameless, but are single for him. Three questions as we finish. Number one, what is the condition of your heart? What is it that you think satisfies what is it that you are pursuing right now to satisfy your heart number two how did it get to be that way was your heart at one time a a listening heart god i just i want what you want god speak to me god show me god lead me how did it get to be that way you know the the beautiful end of that story story is just looking back to David and how David wandered so far. Instead of being with his army, he was on the rooftop gazing at Bathsheba, leading to adultery and murder, but the incredible kindness and forgiveness of God. And if if today you realize, how did I get to be where I am? The, the good news is it doesn't matter how you got to be where you are. There's incredible forgiveness and kindness in our Lord Jesus Christ. Third question, what are you going to do about it? What is the condition of your heart? How did it get to be that way? And what are you going to do about it? I'd like to read Philippians 3, 7 to 11 to just encourage us um, a good response to Solomon's life. And this is Paul's testimony Paul says, 
Whatever was gain to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Is that your heart cry this morning? I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Uh, Having gone through this passage, there's a great song that I'd like you to listen to that just captures, I hope, what our heart's desire is. have Jesus than silver or gold I'd rather be his than have riches untold I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands I'd rather be led by his nail pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords. worldly applause I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause I'd rather have Jesus worldwide fame I'd rather be true to his holy name than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. He is fairer to be 
king of a vast domain, or be held in sin's dread sway. Father, so give us eyes to see Jesus, hearts that hunger for him and long for him and want him, knowing that he is the only one who can satisfy. Thank you, Father, so much for Jesus. Amen.